Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. So glad to be with you as we approach this Independence Day weekend. I hope you're having a great summer. I hope you have some time planned to get away and deprogram a little bit. I'm planning on getting away this weekend to see my dad in Phoenix for his 80th birthday. So big happy birthday to my dad. And I hope you all have similar plans for this weekend and for this summer to deprogram and to just unwind, maybe find a little time for spiritual reflection and rejuvenate yourselves for the mission that we all serve. Well, what a week it's been. The news of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade has electrified media outlets and every Christian church, water cooler, and kitchen table in the United States. And while the media has relentlessly proclaimed that this is the end of abortion, sadly, it's not. The Supreme Court Dobbs decision has only ruled on the federal level. The question of legalized abortion is now returned to each state for them to decide. And so the real battle will take place this November, and it's guaranteed to be a hot topic on every ballot. In my humble opinion, the challenge for us as U.S. Catholics is to promote education and to help to dispel the massive amount of misinformation that is already out there. I can tell you from my own network of family and friends that I've already witnessed a great amount of divisiveness on this topic from people that I never expected. What we can do in the face of this is to keep a cool head, turn the other cheek, and offer this up in our daily prayers, and continue to educate ourselves on what the Church teaches about the sanctity of human life. The Advancing Our Church podcast will do whatever we can to keep you informed on this important topic, and I invite you to please reach out to me as the situation continues to develop so that we can be a resource for you. You can always reach me on my social media channels, or you can send me an email at jim at advancingourchurch.com. And by the way, if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Now, let's get to work. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Christopher Perea and Aaron Manin, the authors of the new book, Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. I really enjoyed this conversation with Christopher and Aaron, and I think you'll enjoy learning more about the important work of Tepiak leadership. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to Advancing Our Church. My name is Jim Friend. So glad to have you all with us today. We have some very special guests, and we're going to talk about Christian leadership and uh, the need for it today in our church. And uh, we have with us today Christopher Perea and Aaron Manin, who are, who are the authors of a new book. And the new book is Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. And uh, we're going to go into that a little bit. And and really, I, I really enjoyed this book because it offered just a great snapshot of all the resources that are out there in the church that really define the role of the laity. So we'll talk about what is the role of the laity of the church. We'll talk certainly about the book and, you know, kind of what Aaron and Christopher are kind of calling us to do in the way we see leadership or they see leadership today. First, let me provide a little bit of an introduction. I'm going to start with you, Aaron. Erin is a development officer for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, she's a small business owner. She's a speaker, a writer, an influencer, and she is a part of the Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, uh, which is, of course, our book today. And she's the author, co-author of it. So welcome, Erin. So glad to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. 
And Christopher Perea is the author also of this book, and he is the CEO of the Tepeyac Leadership. Prior to that, he was the director of Hispanic Mission Office in the Diocese of Phoenix, where is my hometown, of course. We were just talking about that before we started recording. Christopher, I noticed you were also a television news reporter for Univision. So welcome, Christopher. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Jim. It's an honor to be here. Christopher, tell us a little bit about the Tepeyac leadership a little bit. Just tell us, how how did it get started and how long have you been with the group? Absolutely, Gene. Thank you. Thank you so much for that question. So trying to keep up because now I think it's about going into the seventh year when we Mm -hmm. conceptualized the idea for TLI. I was working still for Bishop Olmsted for the Diocese of Phoenix. And as an employee of the diocese, I was sent to a secular civic leadership development program as a representative of the diocese. I went through a program like that, from which later we took the template, only the template, for TLI. Back then, I was open, my eyes were open to the reality of civic leadership development in the United States. It's a very, it's a concept that really is all over the United States. It has been around since the 70s. These programs take on names like Leadership Philadelphia, Leadership Los Angeles. They're in all the major cities and even some small cities. Mm-hmm. Seven years ago, Bishop Onsted and I looked at this and thought, gosh, this is a noble idea, forming leaders. Unfortunately, we also realized that many of these programs are forming leaders with values that run counter to Catholic teaching. So t- we set out to, to create the first, and as far as we know, the only civic leadership development program for Catholic professionals in the United States. And that's how Tepeyac Leadership started. Excellent, excellent. And and how I, I took a look at the website and you have a lot of really impressive folks who are a part of the organization. It looks like it's really uh, caught fire and are you you getting national exposure now with your mission? Even international exposure. Wow. At this point in our organization, we are thinking globally now. We're thinking mm-hmm. global terms because for the past two years, we've been having participants from outside the United States, Canada, Latin America, Africa, Asia, Europe. So we're beginning to recruit even mentors and speakers from other countries outside the United States. And we realize that the mission that God has put in place in front of us really is the mission to, to form leaders and build a network of a global network mm-hmm. of Catholic leaders, lay Catholic leaders for society. Incredible. And tell us a little bit about the, the work that they do. How does somebody get involved with the, with the group? Absolutely. So... It, this is a, TLI is a five-month program, 18 weeks. So okay. for somebody to participate, and it's open to all Catholic professionals, we say in the early to mid stages of their career, from any walk of, of life or specialty, and they have to apply for admission. There's an admissions process. October and November is when we take applications. Mm-hmm. People go submit their application online from our website, and they go through an interview. And it's the last week of January when we send the communications to successful and unsuccessful candidates. Then the program runs from February to June. The participants commit to joining one night a week for 18 weeks or five months. So, so, so we have 18 sessions. And every night for three hours, participants engage these sessions that really expo- exposes them to different areas of human activity or secular life. And we explore issues of concern, concrete issues of concern from the lens of the church, from from the Catholic lens, in the areas of, for example, education, healthcare, business, government, news media. And we talk about the concrete ways in which the lady can 
fill the gaps, fill the needs in their communities and lead in their own communities. Excellent. Well, and, and that really dovetails so well into your book, because I'm, and I'm sure that many of the things that you discuss in that program can be found in the book and in the book can be found in your program, but by, by kind of vice versa. Yeah. Tell me, uh, Aaron and Christopher, what led you to write this book? I'm curious. How did you first of all, let me ask, how did you two wind up working together? Yeah, I can start. Christopher can finish. I am a graduate of the Tepeyac Leadership Initiative Program. I graduated from the program in 2019. So I was very familiar with the process and the topics and the goal and mission of the program. And I'm so grateful that I went through it because it really taught me a lot that I didn't know I needed to know about being a Catholic leader in civil society. So that's how I met Christopher. He was leading the our sessions in Phoenix at the time in person. After I graduated from the program, I spent some time helping TLI with their Instagram account and their blog. So I was managing those two things for about six months each, and I love to write. And so I was not only managing the blog, but writing some of the pieces for it as well. And I didn't know this, but Christopher had already started the project of this book on his own and invited me onto it at the end of 2020. So uh, I happily accepted. I was very honored. I was very honored to be invited into this because it's always been in the back of my mind. Oh, it'd be cool to write a book someday about what I'd write about or what I would do. And it was just very clear that the Lord was placing this opportunity in front of me to um, accept and say yes to. And it was, it's been an amazing experience and an amazing project. So um, Christopher, if you want to chime in for how and why you started it. Yeah, sure. So thank you, Erin. So I think Erin was godsend because if, if she hadn't come by, maybe I would still thinking about writing, I would still be thinking about writing a mm-hmm. book. And in reality, not only did she took on so much work so that we could together finish this project. But she she really contributed some very important components of the book that I had not thought of. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do feel, Erin and I, that the whole process was uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I, I sincerely believe that. This is a, a book that has a simple message. It's not high-in-the-sky theology, but it's an important message. It's an urgent message. It's a, it's a timely message. And we feel that honored, really. I feel honored that God chose us to to put this together because the book is being very well received, and the the feedback and the the reviews that we've heard, people are finding value in the message of the book. And what is the message? It's an invitation for lay Catholics, particularly professionals. That's our, our audience to reconsider which is the best way to help advance the mission of the church. And we are uh, suggesting that it's not to spend all day at the parish signing up for every single ministry or apostolate that we're invited to join. True, we should be involved in our parish community and we should be supportive of our pastors, but our true vocation as lady, and as God has blessed us with a professional career, is because that should be our field of mission. And that's what the, the book explores and our program as well. Excellent. You know, in the first chapter, it, it's interesting you speak about the sex abuse scandal and, and you encourage Catholics not to leave, but to lead, to do just the opposite. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. You know, Jim, I've noticed now that I am, I've been in the leadership space for some time, I've noticed that 
sometimes it's difficult for Catholics to think of themselves as leaders, particularly lay Catholics, right? right. The clergy, our bishops and, and the Pope, they think of themselves as leaders. They, they are leaders. Sure. But lady, we uh, know that we're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. So we see of ourselves, we see ourselves as followers, not immediately as leaders, right? I now I'm tending to turn that around and tell people, listen, because we are followers of Christ, we're supposed to lead others to Christ. So by virtue of our baptism, we're all supposed to be leaders. We're supposed to be leading others to Christ. Mm -hmm. So I I think that that is the invitation. And where we found ourselves, as you very well know, in your neck of the woods, Jim, when the most recent series of scandals, sex abuse scandals in the church, hit the church. Many were discouraged. And unfortunately, many did walk away from the faith. And that should never be the reaction of a Catholic that should understand that the church is both human and divine. Divine because it was founded by Christ, but human because it's made of made out of human beings, right? And I tell people, from the very 12th, that were chosen from the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ, from his own disciples. One was able to betray them. Another one was able to deny him three times. And yet the third one doubted that he had resurrected until he put his hands and fingers into the wounds of Christ. What? Why should we be surprised that along the years, throughout the history of the church, there will be some bad characters, bad apples, and they will probably always be around until Christ comes back. But that's not an excuse to leave the faith. And moreover, the lady, we believe, should now take on the responsibility of leading because we have sort of just retrieved from the leadership space in the church and let all of that responsibility in the shoulders of the clergy. And it was never intended to be so. So in the book, we go back to the Second Vatican Council and we point out to the readers that this is really our duty. This is what Mother Church has called us to do. And it's perhaps the neglected call from the Second Vatican Council, because as, as you know, Jim, people talk about the council and they focus on the changes in the liturgy and the ecumenical aspects of the council. But nobody's talking about what the council had to say to the lay. We believe that the, the council gave us our marching orders to renew the temporal order, to transform society from within. And that's our invitation. And that's our vocation. You know, it's so ironic. Uh, I'm going to say that that, uh, we won't say ironic. We're all Catholic Christians here. (laughs) It was God's plan that you reached out to me, Christopher, and we, we engaged in this conversation because I'm in the diaconate program for my diocese. And this past semester was all about Vatican II. <laughs> we studied all of the documents of Vatican II, Gaudum Est, and, and all of them. And it was really an, an education on the role of the lady to be engaged. It's why, you know, all of my brother candidates and I were accepted into the diaconate program because we sensed that call at some point in our life. But this isn't about us. The question I think I want to ask you and, and Aaron is, what do you think is it that prevents the lady from assuming that role of leadership in the church? Is it a a lack of desire? Is it a lack of education? Is it just not the way, is it not not a part of our culture in the church? What is holding the lady back from assuming their rightful called leadership in in this ministry, in this church? 
Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, we haven't been asked that one, I don't think. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's and that's exactly what we're trying to get to the bottom of, really, in this book and in our mission through this book. So I think there's a few ways to answer that question. I think not not well formed or not well educated in in the fact that the church calls us to be leaders. Also, probably laziness, I would say, because a lot of laity do really believe that it's only the priests and bishops' jobs to do the leading in our church. And I think that's part of what we were talking about with the scandals. You know, when all these people left the church, it, I think that really showed where they think the leadership lies, it, that it's all on our priests and deacons and bishops and cardinals and the pope. It's not on us at all. So God forbid, you know, one of them messes up and it is now public information. Well, that's on them. And and I don't want to be a part of that kind of a a group. So that's the way a lot of people see it, that all the leadership in the church is is not on the laity. So I think it's a combination of, of that laziness, as well as just lack of education and lack of good formation in the Catholic church's teaching. You know, it's 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 on us. And that's partly why this book is so important. It's it's on us, the laity, those of us who understand that call, that we are and can be leaders to educate our fellow brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church that they too can do this. So I think it's it's a lot of different things, but there's also a lot of beliefs that women don't have leadership roles in the church and they should, or why is it only certain people can be priests and deacons and work for the church and all these things. But really being a lay person is actually such a beautiful opportunity because there's so much in front of us that we can, that we can be a leader in. Christopher and I continuously share this, that we as the laity can reach the corners of society that priests and bishops and deacons, frankly, just can't. It's really our job as as the laity to find those spaces where we thrive, where we're working, our families, our communities, the organizations that we're a part of, to be those Catholic voices in those spaces, because not we have a, a unique opportunity that we can reach those people and other people can't. So we can all be leaders and a leader doesn't have to be someone in the spotlight either. That's right. That's what I've been sharing a lot as we promote this book too. a stay at home mom, a stay at home dad, someone who doesn't have this CEO role or managerial role. They can be leaders too. Leadership of the family is so important and such a such a big part of this this same message. So really, leadership can look a lot of different ways in a lot of different people's situations, but we can all truly be leaders. I couldn't agree more. You know, it was interesting. My my professor over the past semester he he asked us the question: Is it the and this is just an example of leadership and and the lady taking role? Is it the church's fault that Roe v. Wade? has been what it has been over the last decades and abortion has been legal. Do we blame the the clergy? Is it really the role of the lady? Whose responsibility is it to overturn Roe v. Wade or other Catholic issues? The clergy only has so much reach. You know, he made the argument and rightly so that it's the lady in the marketplace or the lady, the lady who are really called to be more involved in politics than the clergy are. And to overturn laws that are unjust or uncatholic or you know, that go against the teachings of the church. And so, you know, it, it might it might be an example. And of course, now there's lots of discussion around, you know, how that may be overturned. But at what point does, does the lady say, well, 
these things are unjust. They go against our teaching. Hey, you father, why aren't you doing something about that? Well, you know, we as the lady have to step forward and, and take that role. It's very interesting what you're pointing out, Jim, if I may, because it shows us what a basic misunderstanding we have yes. mm-hmm. of the role of the lady and the role of the clergy. Right. Right. The clergy is there to uphold and teach. Right. They, they are the ones that really are, are safeguarding and passing on the magisterium of the church. Right. And make the sacraments available to us. Mm-hmm. So through the magisterium, the, the clergy, the popes, the bishops, our priests, they are teaching us or are supposed to be teaching us a set of Catholic principles so that then the lady in its role to enact and make come alive these principles in society can think of the correct and specific policies according to each specific community guided by the principles that the church teaches, right? So it's just a complete misunderstanding. It's not up to the priests or the bishops to bring about the laws that any particular community needs. It's up to them to properly guide the conscience and form the lady so that the lady can engage the public square. And this is why, you know, the the name of this book, I think it says it all. Mm -hmm. It's Catholic leadership, but not for the parish. We right. already have a lot of leadership there. Thank God. It's yeah. Catholic leadership for civil society that mm-hmm. the world needs more yeah. right now. I totally agree. And so, you know, in, in, in chapter two, and I promise we're not going to go chapter by chapter, although we, we could be here all afternoon. It'd be a very long podcast. But you talk a little bit about you define leadership. How would you kind of for our listeners how would you define, I think, Aaron, you, you said it quite eloquently. How do you define leadership in the 21st century for, for the Catholic lady? Yeah, well, in our in our book, we specifically share that we subscribe to the virtuous leadership's definition of, yeah. of leadership. So a leader is someone who accomplishes great things by bringing about the greatness in others. And I think that can really be applied to every kind of person that we're talking about and talking to in, in our book. Leadership has almost become a field in and of itself. It's it's like there's leadership conferences and leadership summits and leadership classes, courses, certifications, and everyone's trying to redefine or think of something, some new way to, to talk about or teach or define leadership when really it's not that complicated. It's very simple. And, and that's why we like this definition. And that's why we we talk about leadership from this perspective throughout our book, because really it that's what a leader is. It's, it's accomplishing great things by bringing about the greatness in others. And, and that's it. I mean, of course, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. But that's what we're called to do is to discern, okay, what skills and talents and characteristics and virtues can I bring to my own role as a leader? And how can I go out and then be that leader for others? I think it's a very modern way to approach leadership. I think it's a very timeless definition. I think it's going to be something that that's how just who a leader is, you know, how, what a leader has been, what a leader is now, what a leader will be in the future. So I think it's a very timeless definition. And we're, I'm, I'm grateful that that's kind of the way that we just lay the foundation for leadership in our book. Cause I think it's a very easy and basic way to go back yeah, to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, also, uh, it, it, you also talk a little bit about, you know, have we missed the boat and in this century so far and, 
Do you think that some Catholics, we talked about some of the reasons why maybe people don't understand their role in the church, the laity, I mean, do you think, are they waiting for somebody? Are they waiting for somebody else to take that leadership role? I think it's interesting. I, I, I've worked a lot with volunteers in my career, and it's very difficult sometimes to get somebody to move from being a member of a committee to taking the leadership in a committee, right? And actually stepping forward to that leadership because a lot of a lot of folks are either they're concerned about the amount of time that is involved, or maybe they don't see those leadership qualities within themselves, but we see that. And of course, we're trying to draw that out of them. What do you think? What are people waiting for? Because I, I think part of this journey for people to take leadership is to maybe recognize within themselves, what has held me back from, from taking a leadership role in the church? Am I not educated? Have I, has it not been in my culture? Do I not understand my role? But what do you think we're waiting for? So there is definitely not a culture of inviting lay Catholics in yeah. the church to consider themselves, to see themselves as leaders. Mm. There, there isn't, there's not enough of a culture. This is precisely the work that we're doing, right, Jim? So, so we're trying to invite lay Catholics around the world to reconsider that by virtue of their baptism, they're all called to be leaders. Jim, it used to be, it used to be that people would lead in their communities just because they were Catholics. I mean, if we can think of, and I was recently speaking with some, some friends in Europe, and they, they concurred with me in places like Poland or Ireland or Spain, right? All of the great leaders were Catholics. Yes. It was really our faith that compelled us to lead. And here in the United States, too, if you think about the, the beautiful and great history of Catholic migration into the United States, right? All of those uh, large cities in the East Coast that were populated by Italians and Poles and Germans. And then these immigrants were creating the most essential institutions in their community, colleges and universities and hospitals and schools. And whenever they, someone saw us, uh, a need, they would build something and fill the gap and they would lead. So we used to know and understand much better than we do today that because we're Catholic, we should lead. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. The church is the custodian of God's revelation for humanity. We have the church. It's our job to go around the world and bring light to all those places of darkness. Agreed. How about, how does that translate among the generations? Because I know that as I see my parents' generation, the boomers, and I'm a Gen Xer, and you know, we, we hear a lot about the millennials now and, and young families and such. How does, how does leadership translate among the generations uh, and, and, and our baptismal call? Are you seeing a lot of younger leaders come on board? Are they, are they those in the mid, midlife? Are you seeing folks um, in, more in the boomer age group? Or what are you seeing out there in the field? I think, and I'm just going to speak from my personal perspective. If you have a different perspective, Christopher, I'd love for you to share. But the way that I see leadership in the church happening is, is that boomer generation is, those are the people who are working within the parishes. I, at least from my perspective, again, that's the caveat of this whole answer. Sure. I just see a lot of, of that generation working at the church and the parish offices and the ministries there, which is great. So good, very needed. Like we say, we need people working within the church walls. So I see a lot of that kind of leadership. And then for 
the generation beneath them and probably even into millennials, I see, I really do see a desire to lead in other ways. I think like my parents' generation, I'm not sure that they, I think they're figuring it out. I think they see their children who are mostly millennials wanting and desiring and having a lot of different kinds of leadership roles, whether or not that's faith-based or not is, is here, neither here nor there. But I think, you know, my parents' generation is starting to understand like, oh, I can be a leader in my, in my spheres of influence. At least, you know, one example is, you know, my, my mom is very passionate about the pro-life movement and she's just recently started to understand like, you know, she used to be the director of a nonprofit who served women in crisis pregnancy. So now she's trying to take that, those passion, those skills to work within the culture of life committee at our parish. So, you know, they're starting to understand like, oh, my skills are transferable. Even if I'm not doing something that I used to be doing, I can still do it in a leadership way now. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like for my generation, the millennials, I think it's a little bit all over the board, but there's a definite desire to lead whether or not that's, that's executed upon morally or ethically or, or in the right way is, is maybe it's, it's questionable, but I think especially the Catholic millennials, I think there's a really big desire to have leadership roles. And I think I'm very proud of my generation for just starting to understand like we're the next generation of leaders, we're the next generation of parents, we're the next generation of teachers, everything, every job. And I think that's, that's why Christopher's in my book really speaks to young professionals because this is opening a door for them that and telling them, empowering them, you can do this, you can lead. It's just about where you want to do that. And then, you know, the generations below us, I think, I think we really have to work hard to share with this message with them as they start getting through, you know, high school and into their college years and, and thinking about their own futures and what they want, because there's a lot going on, especially in the education sector and a lot of things happening politically that's really affecting these younger generations. And we really, as Catholics, we need to work hard to be in those spaces, be speaking to the generations below mine. So I know that was a very long answer, but I think it really is different for each generation. It really is. Couldn't agree more. My kids fall in the college age generation right now. And there's so many people competing for their attention, whether it's on social media or the friends that they meet at, at their college or just the, the, friend, the circles that they travel. So I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the, the great things about your book is that it, it offers so many, it offers an education in what the resources are out there, you know, so that people can look up the church documents and, and find what does, what does the church teach about, about the role of the lady in Vatican II. And I, and I agree with what you said, Christopher. I think so many people really focus in on the changes of the liturgy, the moving away from the Latin rite, Latin mass, and, and they forget that this is what the church fathers were, were really focused in on is it engaging the lady. It's, it's the generation that I grew up in in the eighties, the post post Vatican II. And, and it, it's it's why I, I got involved at, at a young age. But, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed is that you could almost, you know, do a deep dive on some aspect of social teaching, as you're saying, Aaron, and decide, oh, okay, healthcare, that is something that I work in every day. Maybe there's where I can plug in and share my gifts or marketing. You know, I, I'm good at getting the word out. Maybe there's where I can share my gifts. But is that kind of how you were thinking about when you offered this kind of potpourri, or this outline of resources, as it were, so that people could educate themselves on the on the role of the lady? 
what we were thinking of, Jim, was to show Catholic professionals, again, that's the audience, mm-hmm. that if God has blessed them with a professional career, they have received this training, a college education in most cases. Yeah. There's a reason for it. He has given us these gifts, these talents, these skills that should be looked as our primary field of mission. So absolutely, yeah. if you're in marketing, how can you put those gifts to, to the service of the church? If you are in healthcare, in education, in, an engineer, law, whatever your field might be, not only in the way in which you serve the church directly, right? I mean, every parish has a diocesan console and a finance console, and our pastors need that type of support, right? But we're not just talking about ministry and work within the church. We're talking about looking for concrete ways to influence society outside of the church. Every career path, or most of them, has some type of professional association or guilt that most people can belong to. And each of us, you as a development officer, right? I know there are, there are national development organizations and conferences, and there are leadership paths and opportunities there too, right? I was just speaking with another group by Zoom as well, and, and I had some interesting questions from a dentist and from somebody who was involved in development, uh, in actually in leadership development uh, work. And they were mm-hmm. asking, well, how can I be a leader in my space? And I was telling them, listen, each of you are probably part of a guild or, or should be part of a guild or a professional association and get involved in leadership. Each of those organizations probably has a national conference. And when you are in the leadership, you get to decide what type of training and presentations and conferences and what type of content is going to be disseminated in the conference. You also get to decide who the sponsors of your conference will be. So if you are a person in leadership in a national dentist association, you get to decide if you will allow or you will at least have one vote to decide whether you will allow Planned Parenthood to be this year's conference sponsor or not, right? So each of us can take on those spaces where we can be of influence, positive influence in society. Ultimately, Jim, we say that what we want, what we're trying to accomplish is to have more faithful and committed Catholic voices at all of those tables where decisions are made. That's why there is a whole chapter in the book focused on board service. Because as we tell the readers and the participants of the program, board service is where leadership happens. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So what is next for your organization? Where do you see, I know right now you're you're publicizing the book and and it seems to be getting some great traction. Are you enrolling for the next cohort or where are you at in the process here in 2022? The beauty of it, Jim, is that the book is so intertwined with the organization that when we're promoting the message of the book, we're promoting the message of the organization. Sure. But the organization is now about to graduate this year's cohort. So yeah. we only run one track of the program, one cohort in the spring. And now we start all over throughout the summer. We work on awareness and, and just letting people know about the program. We'll be taking applications for the next generation of Tepeyac leaders in October and November. That's open enrollment where people can apply for admission. And then the program runs again in 2023 from February to June. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this has just been terrific having you both on on the podcast. I'm going to provide a link in the show notes to Tepiak, but also to where folks can purchase the book, as well as to Christopher and Aaron. But before we go, Aaron, why don't you tell folks where to find you? 
Thank you, Jim. Yeah, I can be found mostly. I use LinkedIn and Instagram. So on Instagram, it's my handle is at flowering.at.his.feet. Um, and then my LinkedIn is just uh, linkedin.com slash Aaron dash Monin, M-O-N-N-I-N. So you can find me there. I'd love to continue the conversation and connect with people uh, that way. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Aaron. How about you, Christopher? Where can folks find you? Sure. Um, and very Googleable, very Google. So Christopher <laughs> Pereira, very active on LinkedIn and uh, other social media. But I would say that that's my social media of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn, for sure. That's wonderful. Well, thank you both for all you're doing in service to the church, for the hearts and minds that you're changing and the way that you're transforming our society into, into leaders of, of all generations. It's so needed uh, and so grateful to you both being on the show today. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much, Jim. God bless. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it from me, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful Independence Day weekend and a great week. Take care and God bless.